And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show. We got a lot to talk about today. Of course, abortion still in the news. There's a, uh, another executive order that came out by the president. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but, but they still, you know, our, our folks in DC still trying to, uh, to do a number of things. They're, they're trying to push abortion. Uh, you, you hear folks saying that, uh, you even heard the, the press secretary for the president the other day said that the decision that the Supreme Court made in overturning Roe, she, this, this pregnant secretary actually said that decision was unconstitutional. So clearly there's a, a civics lesson that needs to be taught because Supreme Courts are, are, are there to make decisions to make them constitutional. So the Supreme Court doing what they did, that was a constitutional act. They had every right to overturn Roe, just like a few years ago. Uh, even though I disagree with the decision, they had every right to say that marriage uh, can be defined broadly. Look, that's what the Supreme Court does. It's just interesting to me that we live in a time where when it fits our narrative, we celebrate the Supreme Court. When it goes against our narrative, we say that they're uh, an extremist body that that is making uh, bad choices and decisions. But but that's where we are as society. It, it, last week, I talked about Kansas. Kansas had an opportunity uh, in the state to make abortion uh, unconstitutional, and and, to, and and that's all they were doing. They they were they were voting on a referendum to say that the state of Kansas does not recognize abortion as a constitutional right, a state constitutional right. Uh, that vote we knew would be close. It ended up being not as close as I thought it would be, but it did fail. And I think part of that was bad wording. Uh, I think maybe in the desire to take advantage of the recent overturning of Roe, uh, the, the pro-lifers of, of Kansas kind of put the cart before the horse and went a little too far in seeking to get this vote. But either way, that's what we're doing. States are able to make their decisions. That's what the Supreme Court overturning Roe gave us the opportunity of getting us to a place where states can make decisions. And, and so that's that's the direction that, that we wanted to go, and that's the direction we need to go. And so that's what we're going to be seeing. We're going to be seeing a number of things happen. Uh, just because what happened in Kansas doesn't mean that, that we're going to see that across the country. It just means that uh, these things are going to play out, and as they play out, we'll talk about them. But the state of Kansas has always been kind of up in the air when it comes to uh, the life issue and how far conservative they are and, and, and where they, they ultimately will end up. I think, again, the wording was bad, and I think people were, were fearful that if we vote in favor of this, that, that women that are in an ectopic pregnancy, that women are facing miscarriages, are not going to be able to get the services they need. Again, it's misinformation. Uh, the, the pro-abortion industry spend a lot of money, they put a lot of ads out there with misinformation, and that's just what they do. And, and they don't outright say that ectopic pregnancies uh, and women facing those ectopic pregnancies aren't going to receive service, but they, they create confusion around it. What a, they, they interview a lady that's had an ectopic pregnancy, and then it makes you think, well, well will she get the care that she needs? Or they interview OBs, and they interview uh, physicians that, that are creating confusion. And, and that's where we are as a society is, uh, a confused, uh, 
not real sure what's happening around us when it comes to the life issue and the abortion issue. And, and uh, we see that even more in the Washington Post. The recent article in the Washington Post from August 6th says this, In a few years, uh, Olbert Barty's skills will be in high demand. A first-year resident in internal medicine at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, he'll be a full-fledged physician by 2025 in a nation facing a shortage of primary care doctors. Now, are you aware there's a shortage of, of doctors? I mean, my mom is trying to get a service done and, and care for some heart-related issues that she's having, and, and they're saying this is a big deal, we're very concerned, but we can't see you until September. Why is that? Because they don't have the doctors. Doctors are either retiring or they're dying, and, and there's not people replacing them. Uh, or during the pandemic, they were like, look, I'm out. I'm going to take an early retirement. I'm going to go a different direction with my career. Uh, the, the cost of uh, going to school has increased dramatically. So many of these folks are going, look, I'm not going to pay and take on the loans to become a doctor. I'm going to go a different direction. Some of them that are going to med school are saying, maybe I just want to focus on research and, and not go be a physician in a, in a small town or go be a physician uh, in, in a suburban area. And so we're seeing a, a shortage. The trouble for Texas, this article says, because of the state's strict anti-abortion laws, Barty's not sure he will remain there. Although he doesn't provide abortion care right now, Laws limiting the procedure have created confusion and uncertainty over what treatments are legal for mis... That's not true. See, this is the frustrating part. So, so this dude isn't a doctor yet. He won't be a doctor until 2025. But he's, and he's not performing abortions as of right now. But laws limiting the procedure have created confusion and uncertainty over what treatments are legal for miscarriage and keep him from even advising pregnant patients on the option of abortion, he said. Now, now listen, why is there confusion and uncertainty? There's confusion and uncertainty around this when it comes to miscarriage and ectopic pregnancies because they're creating the confusion and uncertainty. The abortion industry is creating the confusion and uncertainty. It's not the laws. It's not the legislators. It's not the attorney general. Why? Because the attorney general are coming out and saying, look, these laws do, do not affect those that are facing atopic pregnancies. These laws do not affect those that are facing miscarriages. No law anywhere in the country. I don't know how, how much more I can say on the topic. No law anywhere in the country will prohibit a doctor from intervening in an ectopic pregnancy or, or providing care for a woman going through a miscarriage. No law. So when they say there's been confusion and uncertainty around this issue, the only confusion and uncertainty has been created by the abortion industry. Up until June 24th, Planned Parenthood had on their website, ectopic care is not the same as abortion. Now, that's changed. The wording for them changed after June 24th. Why is that? Because they want to create confusion. They want to create uncertainty. Because if they can create enough confusion and uncertainty, when we bring this to the ballot in the states across this country, people will go, well, what if I have an ectopic pregnancy? I'm not for elective abortion, but if I have an ectopic pregnancy, I want to be able to get the care that I need. And so it's not just everyday folks that are 
seeing this confusion and uncertainty. It's now physicians, folks in med school, doctors, soon-to-be doctors that are going, well, I can't provide the care to a woman facing an ectopic pregnancy or miscarriage. It's because they haven't read. Look, they're medical students. They read a lot. They're well-educated. But have they read any of these laws? It certainly doesn't seem like they have. The article goes further. Aiding and abetting an abortion in Texas also exposes doctors to civil lawsuits and criminal prosecution. It definitely does bother me, Barty said. If a patient comes in and you can't provide them the care that they are supposed to, uh, that, that you are supposed to for the well-being, maybe I shouldn't practice here. The thought has crossed my mind. He is balancing his concern with his sense that he can do more good by staying, including counseling patients, on attaining contraception. Barty's uncertainty reflects a broader hesitancy among some doctors and medical students who are reconsidering career prospects in red states where laws governing abortion have changed rapidly since the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, according to interviews with healthcare professionals and reproductive health advocates. One large medical recruiting firm said it recently had 20 OBGYNs turn down positions in red states because of abortion laws. The reluctance extends beyond those interested in providing abortion care as laws meant to protect a fetus could open doctors up to new liabilities or limit their ability to practice. It remains unclear how thoroughly career decisions being made amid the upheaval and confusion since the Supreme Court's decision on Dobbs will translate to a lasting geographic shift. But amid a national shortage of reproductive health practitioners, the early evidence indicates that red states have, at minimum, put themselves at a disadvantage in the competition for crucial frontline providers, experts say. So now they're saying there's a national shortage, not just one in the red states. But, of course, red states have just made it harder on themselves. That's always the narrative. One large healthcare staffing firm said clients in states with abortion bans are having greater trouble filling vacancies because some prospective OBGYN candidates won't even consider opportunities in states with new or pending abortion bans. Tom Florence, president of Merritt Hawkins Healthcare Company, cited 20 instances since the Supreme Court ruling where prospects specifically refused to relocate to states where reproductive rights are being targeted by lawmakers. To talk to approximately 20 candidates that state they would decline to practice in those restricted states, that is certainly a trend we are seeing. It is certainly going to impact those things moving forward. Three candidates turned down one of the firm's recruiters who is working to fill a single job in maternal fetal medicine in Texas. All three expressed fear they could be fined or lose their license for doing their jobs. No, they could be fined or lose their license for providing abortion, which is against the law in the state of Texas. Not doing your job. Your job is providing care for folks. Abortion is not that. And again, the creating of this article has said multiple times that there's confusion and uncertainty around the laws after the overturning of Roe. The, the only one creating that confusion and uncertainty is the abortion industry, and they're doing it on purpose. It's academia, and they're doing it on purpose. They're doing it. Because they want to create that confusion and uncertainty because they want people to go, oh no, what if I get an ectopic pregnancy? What if I have a miscarriage? What they're, what they're not doing is talking about how 90 plus percent of all abortions are elective and done so just because somebody doesn't want to be pregnant. Florence said the shift is especially serious implications for small rural hospitals, which can afford just a small number of maternal specialists, or in some cases only one. 
They can deliver hundreds of babies each year and see several thousand patients, he said. The potential absence of one OBGYN that might be in their community, if not for the Supreme Court decision, is highly significant. The burden will be borne by the patients. Now, now listen to that. The overturning of the Roe decision, now people are holding that over the head of rural communities. Well, since we can't abort your babies, we're not going to go work in your area. Think about that. Yeah, I'll come work in that small town if I can abort your babies. But if I can't abort your babies, why would I go there? That's what they think about the small town. That, look, and if it sounds like I'm frustrated and angry over this, it's because that's where I grew up. That's where my wife grew up. That's where my family lives currently. My mom's having trouble getting to, to go see a heart doctor because of a shortage of doctors, and she's from a small town, lives in a small town. And so it's offensive to me that someone in med school that, that is saying, well, I would go serve that small town in East Tennessee if only I could abort their babies. But since I can't abort their babies, why would I want to go there and help them? I mean, they don't need to have more babies anyway. That's their mindset. And so in doing this, the only ones they're harming are the folks in small communities that are already being harmed, that already don't have enough services available to them, that already live in food deserts and, and don't have the grocery options that are available to the bulk of society. That They're already being harmed in many ways, these small communities that are facing uh, drug overdoses and suicide rates raising and, and farmers dealing with uh, droughts and, and all these things that are happening in the small community. And now these small communities are going, well, now the doctors don't want to even come here because they can't abort our babies. This is why I get frustrated. Because what are these doctors being taught in med school? That abortion must be part of your services? Is that what they're being taught? That you can't serve anywhere if you can't provide an abortion? And then, are they reading any of these laws? Because these laws are not going to hinder them from doing their job. But that's what they keep telling you. We'll be back. You know that it would be untrue. As we continue the conversation today, look, it's interesting to me that we're living in a time where where we have a shortage of everything. I mean, that's what we're being told. You know, there's a coin shortage. There's a formula shortage. There's going to be a food shortage. There's a this shortage, a that shortage. You go to the grocery store. There's certain things that you've been getting and now you can't get. There's shortages abound. In our society, and now we're being told there's a doctor shortage, that family docs and OBs and specialists, and then that article that I referenced in the first segment is even saying that that, that shortage is going to compound on itself in, in small communities, and especially in red states, because red states are, are passing laws that, that are limiting or uh, restricting or, or, in some cases, outlawing abortion. And so these doctors are saying, well, I can't go serve that area because if I can't provide abortions or what they would say, if I can't care for these patients, 
then I'm not going to take a job in that area. I mean, this is nothing new. Rural communities, uh, you know, what people would call nowhere places in the middle of nowhere, they've always struggled. You know, they've never had access to uh, that many specialists. They, you've always had to drive hours or, or be flown out to a, a larger hospital. Uh, many of these places, the physician that's there has been there for 30 and 40 years. My dad was seeing a physician. He recently he passed away a couple weeks ago, and he'd been serving for 50 years. Why? Because there was no one to come in and take his place. There's nurse practitioners in the area, but there's no physicians that are, that are saying, hey, we want to go serve this small town. And in some of those cases, it's, it's folks that grew up there and they want to come back and give back. But many of those places, those folks that grew up there and going to med school say, well, I don't want to go back there. I want to go to a bigger city, a suburban area, and provide care that way. Why? Because they're not getting the resources. There's, there's not a lot of money in those areas. But now you, you tack onto that, well, well, I'm definitely not going to go there if I can't abort your babies. I mean, what's that sound like? What it, it's interesting to me what we say about the rural communities. But what if a doctor said, well, I'm not going to move to the inner city because if I can't abort your babies, why would I want to be there? Is that the society we want? I mean, frankly, I'm glad they're saying the quiet part out loud. I, I want to know where our doctors stand on this. I want to know where my OB, my wife's OB stands on this because I don't want to go see them if that's their mindset. I'll just be completely honest. If the mindset is, I don't want to provide care in those areas, if I can't abort your babies, then I don't want you to see my wife. Now, that's hard for some people to hear. But what's com- what comes first? And, and, and the part that really boggles my mind is that close to 80% of OBs don't perform abortions. They don't. Yet now we're hearing all of a sudden that they're, they're not wanting to go serve certain areas if they can't perform abortions. When 80 plus percent don't perform abortions in our country, why aren't we hearing from those doctors? It almost, look, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but it almost makes you think, well, is this strategic? Is there really a shortage? Is this the bulk of doctors or is this that one doctor in Texas? Okay, that one recruiting firm said they heard from 20 that said, I won't even take an interview in a certain place because it's a red state. But, but did they hear from 100 that would? But see, we're not hearing from the other side. We're just hearing, hey, I, I talked to 20 people since June 24th that said they will not go and serve in this particular state, in this particular area because of the abortion laws. Well, who else did you hear from? So are we cherry-picking the data to make it fit our narrative? It seems to me that that's what we're doing. So you heard from 20, and this recruiting agency heard from 20 doctors that said, I'm not even going to entertain the thought of going to those areas. So you didn't place anybody since June 24th in those areas? Or, like, where's the data at on that? And now the New York Times has an article Look, this, we were told, well, if you overturn Roe, we're gonna, this is gonna send women back into the back alleys with coat hangers doing self, uh, self abortions. 
self-administered abortions with coat hangers. That was the that was the the line of argument back in the 70s when Roe was put in place. Now there's no studies, there's no proof that that was happening everywhere. There might have been a case or two where where women did that and and performed an abortion on themselves with a coat hanger. But there's no proof that it was happening in, in tons of back alleys all across this country. There is no proof of that. But that was the narrative that was pushed. That was the story that was pushed, and we believed it. And it became the predominant narrative. Back alley abortions. So you heard you know, very famous politicians, anytime Roe was brought up, they would talk about back alley abortions. Hillary Clinton did it. Bill Clinton did it. All these big-time politicians made this argument. Nancy Pelosi... Joe Biden, the argument was always back alley abortions if we ever overturn Roe v. Wade, even though there was no proof that it happened. But it it caught fire and they ran with it. And that's often what happens in our society. I mean, if we remember back in the day, they were like, oh, be careful trick-or-treating because people are putting razor blades in apples. That might have happened one place. But it became the narrative to the point where people were terrified to go get candy for a time during trick-or-treating. Because why? Because someone said that somebody did something one time. And it became the overarching narrative. That's what happens in our society. And then you tack on social media with that and it catches fire even more. And so false narratives get pushed. By the time the correction comes, it's too late. The damage has been done. And so now the New York Times is going even further. It's going even further. It says this, In states that have banned abortion, some women with unwanted pregnancies are pursuing an unconventional workaround. They are, quote, self-managing their abortions, seeking out the necessary know-how online and obtaining the medications without the supervision of a clinic or a doctor. Now, Now, we should, all of us, Republicans, Democrats, independents, pro-life, pro-choice, no matter where you fall, we should say this is bad. We should not encourage this. We should not celebrate this. But listen to what they say. They say at first glance, the practice may recall the days before Roe v. Wade when women too often, again, no proof of this, they just say it as if it's fact, when women too often were forced to take risky measures to end an unwanted pregnancy. But the advent of medication abortion accomplished with drugs rather than in-office procedures has transformed reproductive care, posing a significant challenge to anti-abortion legislation. So this article, the author of this article is actually saying this is good. You see, this isn't, this isn't like what was happening back in the 70s. This is good that women are feeling empowered to get the medication and and to just manage their abortion at home by themselves under their own care. Now, any other time, you know, during the pandemic and you say, well, I read on WebMD and you you were called a a crazy person. During the pandemic and you, you said, hey, I read this study and this study said this or that. You were told, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen to the experts and the experts are the doctors and they know what's best. And now, fast forward to 2022, and there's an article in the New York Times saying, you know what's amazing? The fact that women can just manage their own abortion at home. That's what they're arguing now. So even before the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe, medication abortions accounted for more than half of abortions in the U.S., 
Federal regulators made access to the pills even easier during the pandemic by dropping the requirement for an in-person visit and allowing the drugs to be mailed to patients after a virtual appointment. But many states never allowed telehealth abortion, and new laws prohibiting abortion apply to all forms of the procedure, including medications. So women in increasingly restricted parts of the country are procuring the pills anyway. They can, often online, despite state prohibitions. So we're going to continue with this article when we come back. But, but I want you to, to note that we've gone from, if you overturn Roe, you're going to send women back to, to the alleys doing their own abortions. And, and they're, they were saying that's an awful thing. Now we, August 2022, and they're saying, you know what's wonderful? That now these women can get their own medications via the mail with no oversight. And they can just be in their home and they can do the abortion themselves. And we want to celebrate that. That's where we've come. We'll be back. So as we continue, this article over the New York Times is, is it's amazing what we do as a society. And, and it's, it's also amazing that what now is, is considered journalism is advocacy. Look, I'm all, I'm all for uh, political pundits. If you are left or right, and, and you write articles and you do talk shows and, and it's really clear to everyone where you stand on the issue. Look, it is clear to anyone that listens to this show where I stand on the issue of abortion. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not coming to you as a, look, I'm an objective voice when it comes to life and abortion. I, I'm letting you know my stance is I'm pro-life 100%. I'm against abortion. I think it's an atrocity. I think millions have lost their lives to, to abortion since 1973, and, and overturning a row was m- monumental in the progress of our society and of our country. I don't hide that fact. But what irks me is when folks write articles and they act as if they're an objective, objective voice. They're not. We went from... Hey, if you overturn Roe, you're going to send women back to the alleys to perform abortions on themselves, and and that is anti-woman. We went from that to Roe's overturned, and now we're celebrating women that are are self-managing abortions in their house. We're celebrating it. We now have abortion doulas that are going to walk you through that process. And we're celebrating that. Folks, that's not women's empowerment. The article continues over the New York Times. There are no reliable estimates of the number of women who undertake their own medication abortions, according to the Guttmacher Institute, which researches and supports abortion access. With the overturning of Roe, abortion is now banned in at least 10 states, according to a database maintained by the New York Times. Voters in Kansas on Tuesday rejected a ballot measure that would have removed abortion rights protections from the state constitution. Limits of one sort or another are nonetheless expected in at least half of U.S. states, and so both sides of the divide are bracing for an increase in self-managed abortions. Critics of abortion in any form insist that medication abortions are riskier than claimed, and even more so without medical supervision. Of course. Of course! I mean, we're telling women to take a pill that is going to shut off progesterone, that's going to create an environment that's ultimately going to kill your child, and then take another pill that's going to cause labor for you to deliver. And we're telling women it's okay to do that at home. 
And so, so pro-life advocates that are saying, hey, hey, maybe that's not safe. Oh, well, you're just anti-abortion. I mean, what do you know? Let her be her at her home. Uh, I'm sorry? What? We're supposed to be okay with that? The procedure should not be undertaken beyond 10 weeks gestation, they note, or performed without a doctor's visit because dating a pregnancy accurately is not always possible. That is a true statement. Other medical complications can be missed, they say, including ectopic pregnancy in which the fertilized egg implants outside the uterus. That's correct. Claims that medication abortion is safe are based on flawed and incomplete data, which prioritize convenience and cost over the health uh, and safety of patients, said Dr. Francis, chairman of the American Association of Pro-Life uh, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which oppose all abortions except to prevent permanent harm or death to the mother. Physicians who support abortion tell a different story. Notice, notice how they, they, they phrased all that, that, that anti-abortion people say. Well, they say this, they say that, they claim this, they claim that. But, but they, they shape it in a way of, look, these are just quacks, okay? These, these pro-life doctors are quacks, but we're going to put them in our article so that we can say that we're objective and we're telling both sides. But they claim this and they claim that and they say this and they say that. And then listen what they do here in this article. Physicians who support abortion tell a different story. There is plentiful evidence that medication abortion is safe, and women already carry out the procedure almost entirely alone at home. Even if they do see a doctor to obtain the drugs, self-management is not so different, supporters argue. There was no quotes in that. So, so that entire paragraph is the thought of the author of the article that's claiming to be objective. So... The, the author of this article is saying there's plentiful evidence that medication abortion is safe. And women already carry out the procedure almost entirely alone at home, even if they do see a doctor to obtain the drugs. Self-management is not so different, supporters argue. And then they go into the quotes. Quote, it's quite safe and effective based on studies we've done, national data provided by the states and the Guttmacher Institute, and the experience of other countries, said uh, a doctor, the founder of GenUnity Health Projects, who performed much of the research on medication abortion that led to its approval in the U.S. more than 20 years ago. The procedure typically involves taking two drugs. Uh, the first pill, which stops the pregnancy by blocking a hormone called progesterone, followed by a day or two later by another drug which causes the uterus to contract. More than half a million women have medication abortions in 2020 in the United States, and fewer than half of 1% experience serious complications, studies show. That's that we know of. But, but let, me, let me give you just some context, okay? They're saying fewer than half of 1% experience serious complications, studies show. But, but when we as pro-lifers say fewer than 1% choose abortion because of rape and incest, we're told that we're heartless and terrible people. Back during the pandemic and Johnson & Johnson vaccine was out there, we gave millions of doses to people. Seven people, seven, had major complications. And what did they do? They stopped giving the vaccine to people for weeks because seven had major complications. But here they say, look, only just a, you know, 
around 1% have complications, so what's the big deal? Let's keep, keep moving. Medical interventions like hospitalizations or blood transfusions were needed by fewer than 0.4% of patients, according to a 2013 review of dozens of studies involving tens of thousands of patients. Now, my question is, for those that, that are getting the pills at home, if they end up at the emergency room, so they're trying to base these studies on people that say, I took the abortion pills. But most of these women aren't going to Planned Parenthood after they take the pills. They're not going back to their abortion doctor. Why? Because they're told, if you have complications, if you have excess bleeding, you should go to the emergency room. So then they go to the emergency room. Are they then telling that doctor, look, I took abortion pills? I highly doubt all of them are. Many of them are probably saying, look, I just started a miscarriage. They may not want to tell that they got the abortion pills. They, they may not want to say where they got them. They may not want to say, look, I got online and got these pills. I'm not really sure what I took. No, what they probably are doing is going in and going, I was pregnant and now I'm losing my baby. Can you help? So the data is not going to be accurate. Because we're not tracking that. A 2018 review by the National Academics of Science, Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine found that abortion medication ended pregnancies 96.7% of the time in gestations of up to nine weeks. The World Health Organization endorses self-managed abortions and says it can be used up to 12 weeks gestation. Did you hear that? The WHO, the World Health Organization, endorses self-managed abortions and says it can be used up to 12 weeks gestation. We were told for years, if you overturn Roe, you're going to send women back in time. They're going to go back to the back alleys and perform abortions on themselves. And, and, and we're told that, look, the reason why we're pro-abortion is because we're pro-women's health. We're pro-reproductive health. We were told that, that the whole point of the abortion movement was because they care about women. And fast forward to August 2022, and what are we being told? Self-managed abortions are great. We should celebrate it. We should make it easier for women to get the abortion pill. Whether it's the back alley, their living room, their bathroom, their mom's couch, it doesn't matter. Wherever they want to have it, the subway, it doesn't matter. Self-managed abortions are endorsed by the World Health Organization. You think that's women's empowerment? You think that's safe? Look, I have strong opinions on abortion, obviously. But regardless of my opinions, do, do I think that women should be doing this at home with no oversight? Are you kidding? Medication abortion is, quote, non-invasive, doesn't cause sepsis, and doesn't cause ruptures of internal, internal organs, end quote, like the illegal abortions of the pre-Roe era, uh, one of the doctors says. It doesn't mean people can't have excessive bleeding and need to get care occasionally, but, but those are not the dire circumstances of people from 50 years ago. So listen to what they're saying. Sure, you could have excessive bleeding. Sure, some bad things can happen in your bathtub at home by taking this medication without oversight. But, I mean, it's not a back alley. Is this what, what we want as a country? 
The drugs are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, however, are intended to be taken under a doctor's supervision. The agency discourages Internet purchases of these pills because patients will be, quote, bypassing important safeguards, officials said in a statement. They should. But the FDA does not advise against online purchases, which is used to treat a number of medical conditions. So they're not the second pill that that the person takes. the, The FDA is not advising against getting that pill. It can terminate pregnancies by itself, recent studies have shown. While no treatment is 100% safe, taking the pills on your own at home does not affect your risk of complications. I mean, listen, that, that's, that's coming from a doctor at Columbia University. But self-management also means a woman does not have a familiar healthcare professional nearby to call in case of an emergency. Uh, so this doctor and others fear that women performing their own abortions may be reluctant to seek medical help in states that have criminalized abortion. And it goes on and on and on. We'll be back. So as we finish up today, look, I'm not going to continue reading that New York Times piece. They, they go on to, to interview someone that they say, uh, Casey only wants to give her first name. And, and they go by the, the pronouns they, them. I mean, okay. Okay. We, we live in a time, and that, and that person goes further to say, had the worst cramps of, of their life, had excessive bleeding after taking the pills. So, so the one person that they interview for the story, if, if you read the entire New York Times article, they, they say, look, yes, very few people, I think they said 0.4% have excessive bleeding and have struggles. But, but that's not the case for most. And then the one person they interview said, I, have, I had excessive bleeding, had the worst cramps of my life. I was terrified. I was curled up in a ball on my couch. I had to be drove to the emergency room. It's just odd to me that 0.4% have side effects like that. And then they interview one person, and that one person had all the side effects. And then they go further by, by talking about the pronoun usage. So, so we... We have folks that refuse to say what a woman is and what a man is. We have folks that are now telling us to say pregnant people instead of pregnant women. We, we have folks telling us that men can, can get pregnant. And they're claiming to be the experts. This is why the trust of these entities and organizations have fallen dramatically. Because they've just shifted what... They just shifted the narrative. Pre-June 24th, it was if this is overturned, women are going to run to the back alleys to perform abortions on themselves. Post-June 24th, 2022, hey, self-managed abortions are possible and amazing and great. And get your pills online, go back to your house, enjoy your weekend. You'll have no issues. Just like that. The narrative has changed. We've gone from self-managed abortions are terrible and the sign of the dark ages to self-managed abortions are empowerment for pregnant people. And regardless of what your state law says, get those abortion pills online. That's where we've gone. And so if you wonder why people like me, pro-lifers, are getting so upset and so bent out of shape when it comes to these, these issues. 
We, we at some point have to wake up to this nonsense. And so, yeah, it's going to require us to go against the grain. It's going to require us to look different than the culture. It's going to require us to say some things that people don't like us to say. It's going to require us to say, maybe, just maybe, you shouldn't get on the Internet and order abortion pills and then go back to your home with no oversight by anyone and hope for the best. A society that refuses to admit that we need to procreate to, cons- to sustain a society is a society that's going to fail and not be able to exist and not be able to continue. But that's where we are. So, so the goal is, hey, let's, let's get the abortion pills in the hands of as many people as possible. Especially in those small towns, because we don't want them to procreate. Hey, especially in those inner cities, because we really don't want them to procreate either. So let's get those abortion pills in the, in the areas of our country that we don't like. But, but when you think about academia, when you think about Columbia University and, and in the Northeast and on the West Coast and all these places, what are, what are those folks doing? Well, those folks are, are staying married, having babies. And then encouraging their kids to do the same. Because they know that's the ideal. But they don't want that for others. They, they would prefer the doctor shortage in a rural community. They would prefer you just go online and, and buck the laws of your state and get the abortion pills and then end the pregnancy and move on. You'll be fine at home. Yeah, yeah we interviewed somebody and... Yes, that person had the worst cramps of their life, and that person bled excessively, and that person had to be driven to the hospital. But, I mean, that's not that big a deal. So this is why when we talk about the issue, they they keep moving the goalpost. Oh, well, overturning Roe is going to take us back to the Dark Ages, and now they're writing articles in the New York Times saying, Oh, well, overturning a row just gives us an opportunity to do self-managed abortions. It used to be called back alley abortions with coat hangers, and that was terrible. But we're just going to change the, what we call it. Now we call it self-managed abortions at home. The World Health Organization agrees with it. And so we're going to agree with it and champion it. That's what they're going to be told, folks. I'm not okay with it, but I'm just one voice. We'll talk more next week.